Would you stand with me, please? I'd like for us to take a moment today and pray for families who have lost loved ones uh, in military conflict somewhere in the world. Maybe it's a mother, a father, maybe it's a brother, a sister, a son, or a daughter. But uh, they've paid the price so that we could come in here today and still enjoy the freedom that our founding fathers intended for us to enjoy. Aren't you thankful that we have men and women who are willing to give a part of their lives and all of their lives, amen, so that we can continue this. Would you join me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this Memorial Day weekend when we honor those who have gone before us, especially those who have paid the supreme price of giving their lives so that we could live in freedom and enjoy the blessings that you have given to this nation. We pray for those families today, especially those whose memories are fresh. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would comfort them with your Holy Spirit and bless them in a powerful way this weekend. And may we always look to you, and O oh Lord, we pray that you will save our nation Send revival to our land. May our future continue to be bright in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you. And you can be seated. Yes, one more time. Well, we're, we're delighted, as Pastor Reagan has already said, to see you here this weekend. I know a lot of folks are traveling. Um, but everybody didn't go that way. Some came this way. We have a couple here this morning from Wichita, Kansas. Uh, that came to look at the bridge. So they were at the bridge ministry yesterday. Um, Paul and Amy Dome. Y'all stand. Will you? Let's welcome them here today. We're glad to have them here. They're, uh, thank y'all so much. They, they ministered to the homeless out in Wichita, and uh, they had uh, some of Sherry's friends here and had heard uh, Sherry and Kimmy and maybe Roger. I don't know who all they've heard talk about the bridge out there. But uh, they came to see how, how we did it. And uh, so we've, they've, we've just been delighted to have them here this weekend. We're glad for all of you that are here. Um, a little insight on Pastor Reagan that you may not know. And by the way, thank you, Pastor Reagan, for filling the pulpit for me last Sunday. Last weekend, I was in Cleveland, Tennessee for the MIP graduation of Pastor Roger. Uh, he's officially ordained now. And, uh, we just praise the Lord for, for a great weekend there. We enjoyed it. How many of you are fans of The Voice on TV? The Voice? You like The Voice? Jordan Smith sang at both services at Pastor Rogers' graduation. There's about um, probably 2,500, 3,000 people there. And Jordan Smith sang on Friday night and he sang on Saturday morning. And Pastor Rogers, you know, he signed a million dollar contract at the end of The Voice with a music publishing company. And so they assigned a handler to make sure that he makes all the dates that they've set up for him. And Pastor Roger got to meet his handler. Well, he met him too, but he got to meet his handler. You know Pastor Roger, he gets right to it. Found out this guy wasn't saved, no church background much to him. He didn't know anything much about this Christianity stuff. So Pastor Roger course dropped the seeds of the gospel on him but 
also found out a lot about Jordan and uh, we, we were just really pleased. What a great, great testimony. That his handler told Pastor Rogers, said, what you see this weekend in Cleveland, Tennessee is the same Jordan Smith you see next week in Vegas or wherever he is. Said, this guy's the same everywhere. Said, in fact, I'm having to take another look at this Christianity thing because of the life of this guy. Amen. And, uh, and by the way, our general overseer uh, did such a remarkable uh, job in, in his commissioning to the MIP graduates, but he also said, you know, Jordan Smith is ours. He graduated from our university. He grew up in Church of God home. He is one of us, and God has given him an opportunity, or many opportunities beyond what uh, most people could ever imagine. And it's our duty and our responsibility as his church family to pray for him. And uh, I want to carry that on to us as New Hope. I'd like for you to add Jordan Smith to your prayer list. You can't imagine the kind of temptations that, that he's going to have to deal with because of his fame and, and uh, uh, celebrity status now. But uh, I think Pastor Roger and Sister Kimmy and all of those that were there, Sherry and her family and, and uh, uh, the... the uh, uh, Folks from the Philippines were there too as well. A lot of folks were there for Roger's graduation. Like I said, 2,500, 3,000 people were there for his graduation. Uh, <laughs> a few others too, but, uh, but um, th this guy, I, I think they would vouch for the fact. I was, I was shocked. He just walked out there so humble and uh, just started singing Amazing Grace and went over and sat down at the piano and started playing and singing great is thy faithfulness and from there he just started singing to the lord it was like he forgot we were in the audience and in a few minutes we forgot he was on the stage because we were just lifted into the presence of the lord isn't it great that god can raise up men that are anointed with the holy spirit and uh, give them the opportunity to sing that gospel. I start off by telling you, yeah, I start off by telling you, I, I want to explain why Pastor Reagan could say that, you know, he's, since he moved to Augusta and there's a fort and all. He was actually raised, most of you don't know this, he was raised in Amish country. And in Amish country, you know, they're conscientious objectors. They, they're opposed to warfare. So, I heard somebody say recently that the shortest book in the library is a book about uh, war heroes of the Amish people. Um, so, so, so Pastor Reagan grew up in that uh, in that surrounding. So it, it's a boy, it's a different world here, and we we do love and appreciate all of our military folks. So all of you today, how many how many active duty or retired military do we have in our congregation? It's more. Raise your hand. Will you do that? Wow, look at that. Yeah. yeah. We're proud of you. We're proud of you and thankful for you. Well, I need to get I need to, to move forward here. You know, this today is communion Sunday. This is when we come to the table of the Lord. And I hope you played paid close attention to that video. Um, Jesus, first of all, died for all of us. And so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have salvation. And then our military men and women have given their lives to protect the freedom that we're enjoying right now. 
You know, we take so much for granted. Did you know that in many, many, many parts of the world, and this covers millions of people, uh, more than that, billions of people are not able to come in a place like this and worship the Lord with the freedom that you and I worship the Lord with today. In fact, our own um, um, brother from India is, is in India today, and one of our pastors of the churches that we started there, he's, uh, he started something like 600 or more churches. Uh, one of those pastors recently was pulled out of his church on Sunday and, and beaten mercilessly, uh, still was having physical difficulties. And, and Brother George Varghese has gone to his church where he was beaten um, to encourage him and, and strengthen him in the Lord. So we, we take so much for granted. We're so blessed today. We're not sitting here afraid that somebody's going to burst through the doors and have the right legally to drag us out and beat us for our faith. Um, we're, we're blessed. Amen? We're blessed. So Jesus died for your eternal salvation, and uh, military people give their lives to protect that freedom so that we can enjoy it in America. And we thank the Lord. And I think it's wonderful that these two kind of converge on the same Sunday that uh, we're taking communion. I want to take you to the scripture, and I read this so many times. You know, there's some, there's some things that need to be preached over and over and over. I know you wouldn't want to go to a church where the preacher preached the same thing Sunday after Sunday, but there's some things that need to be repeated. There's some things that need to be rehearsed. And the covenant that we have with our Lord through the death of Jesus is one of those subjects that Jesus himself instructed us to remind ourselves of on a regular basis. And so we come again today. The Apostle Paul, when he went to Corinth, he said, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So this is a message that can be preached over and over and over and should be in the family of God. We should remind ourselves again and again. So from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I've read this to you many times, 23 to 33. I want to look at it this morning from the Good News Translation. I think I used the message last time and New King James before that. But let's look at the Good News Translation. For I received from the Lord the teaching that I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took a piece of bread, gave thanks to God, broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is God's new covenant sealed with my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in memory of me. This means that every time you eat his bread and drink from his cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It follows that if one of you eats the Lord's bread or drinks from his cup in a way that dishonors him, you're guilty of sin against the Lord's body and blood. So then, you should each examine yourself first and then eat the bread and drink from the cup. For if you do not recognize the meaning of the Lord's body when you eat the bread and drink from the cup, you bring judgment on yourself as you eat and drink. That's why many of you are sick and weak and several have died. If we would examine ourselves first, we would not come under God's judgment. 
But we are judged and punished by the Lord so that we shall not be condemned together with the world. So then, my friends, when you gather together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another. Now, the Apostle Paul here is, first of all, talking to us about the, the seriousness of the covenant that we have with the Lord and the communion that reminds us of that. And it, it, it is a serious subject. It's not something that we take lightly. It's not something we want to ever get so in the habit that it becomes just routine and we just walk up and take the elements and, and um, think nothing about it and our mind's a thousand miles away. We, we want to think. When he talks about examining himself, obviously we need to examine to, to see that our heart is pure before the Lord. But he's also referring to the fact that we need to examine our hearts to see if we're partaking of the Lord's Supper in faith. And, and here's why I say that, because he said, many of you, he's talking to the Corinthian church, many of you come to the Lord's table, you're not receiving the elements in faith, and because of that you're missing the whole message that's given um, in, in the communion service. And, and, and so some of you that could be healed, you're still sick. Because you didn't come with faith to receive the elements. Some, he said, have even died prematurely. They, they could have lived if they had properly discerned the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So please understand me here. This, this passage of Scripture about examining your heart is not a condemning Scripture. It should be a convicting Scripture. It, it should be something that we embrace. It should be something that we say, let me, let me take a good hard look at what we're, what we're talking about here because I don't want to miss the benefits of the communion. And so that's why I tell folks we serve open communion at our church. By that I mean you don't have to be a member of New Hope to receive communion here. If you're from another church today, you're welcome to come and receive communion Neither do we try to make anybody feel pressured to receive communion. That's entirely up to you and between you and God. But, but I don't forbid anybody from coming in. And sometimes people get shocked when I say this. I even invite people who are unsaved to come and receive communion. And I remember the first time I said that years ago, I, I could, you could almost feel the, the air sucked out of the room, a gasp. What do you mean, preacher? Well, let me tell you what I mean. I mean that if you come to the table of the Lord with faith and believe that this represents the death of Jesus and this represents the sacrifice that he made for you, you, you can repent of your sins right there at the table and receive communion and say, Lord, I receive you into my heart and life. You could be saved at the communion table. You could be healed at the communion table if you would just realize by faith that when you take of the bread that you're taking of bread that represents the broken body of Jesus and he suffered 39 stripes on his back for your healing and you could be healed right at the communion table. You could be delivered. You could be set free. Well, there's Anything good could happen to you at the communion table if you come and receive by faith. And that's what you, we want you to do today. What I'm going to do is remind you again of the seven places from the body of Jesus 
where he bled and what each one of them represents and what you can have when you come to the table this morning. Let's look first of all at his hands. We know that he, he was nailed to the cross and blood came from his hands. That blood purchased forgiveness for everything that our hands have done. Everything that you have been engaged in in your life that's displeasing to God, Jesus' blood was shed so that those sins could be washed away so that you could be forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Do you realize that for over 4,000 years, sacrifices had been made time and time and time again, year after year, hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of animals had been slain and their blood offered up as a sacrifice under the old covenant. But all that could do was represent by faith what they were looking forward to when the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the earth would give his sacrifice. But all those multitudes of sacrifices that, that, that were offered, Jesus accomplished more than all of them put together 2,000 years ago in one act of sacrifice when he gave his life on the cross of Calvary. And his blood did more than the blood of goats and bullocks and lambs and sheep. They only covered sin for a while, at the most a year. But the blood of Jesus not only covered our sins, in fact, it didn't just cover our sins, it washed our sins away. Praise God. It eradicated them. They're gone. They're gone. And I want to tell you that this morning, 2,000 plus years after Jesus hung on that cross, that the blood of Jesus has not lost its power. It's just as strong and just as forceful and just as real and just as atoning this morning as it was when he hung on that cross. And his blood today on this last Sunday of May in 2016 will wash your sins away. Praise God. Somebody ought to praise the Lord for that today. Day. Glory to God. Secondly, he bled from his feet. We know that they drove a spike through his feet, and the blood that flowed from his feet purchased forgiveness for every place we've ever gone that dishonors or displeases our Heavenly Father. Let me ask you this morning how many of you are really glad that the past is gone? with the blood of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. Your neighbor may remember something of your past. Your, your family may remember something of your past. But let me tell you, when you stand before God, if it's under the blood, if it's been taken to the cross, it don't exist any longer. That's, that's gone. Your, your, your past is, is no longer a part of you. Amen. It's not on your record in heaven. It's taken care of. Thirdly, he, he bled from his head. I love this one because the blood of Jesus takes care of every, every evil thought that's ever come through our mind. I, I tell people who struggle with guilt over things that they've seen or things that they've heard, 
to just remember that. And sometimes I help them pray by, by telling them, just, just put your hands over your eyes and ask the Heavenly Father to take the blood of Jesus and wash from your eyes all the way down through your eye gate into your mind and, and, and into the very soul of you. You know, your soul's made up of your mind, will, and emotion. Just wash that away. He can cleanse. He can do something that no one else can do. Amen. He can take care of past memories. He can take care of visual things that you've seen that shouldn't be there. The blood of Jesus can, can wash those things away. Not only that, remember this about the blood from his, from his brow. You know, he bled from his brow because they put that crown of thorns on him. Remember that? While well, during the, the whole crucifixion process or the, the leading up to the crucifixion, they, they went out and, and, and got the thorns. They, they weave, wove it into a crown, and, and those, those thorns were long. We, we don't have any thorn bushes around here that compare with what they had over there. And, and when they put that on his head, then they beat that down with a reed. So those, those, those thorns went into his skin until, until they hit his skull. And, and came back out and, and blood began to come from his brow as, um, as they were getting ready to put him on the cross. And I go all the way back to the book of Genesis when sin first tainted the human family. And one of the curses that sin brought on us was our labor. You remember that? that part of the curse that Adam had said from now on by the sweat of your brow that, that's how you'll labor and that's how you'll work and, and, and your work is cursed the ground will bring forth thorns and thistles your, your, your labor will be cursed and the sweat of your brow well, let me tell you something under the new covenant <laughs> your labor is no longer cursed if you'll bring it to Jesus amen if you'll plead the blood of Jesus over it and, and you, you know, New Hope family, we've had testimonies of this. I've seen it time and time. In fact, almost every time we come to the communion table and I remind people that if you're having trouble on your job or maybe you don't have a job. I just had somebody the other day come to me and said, Preacher, I just want you to know that the last time we had communion, I, I, I took this labor thing. I hadn't been able to get a job. I'd been searching and seeking and try, and I, I couldn't get a job. And, and when I came to the communion table, I said, Lord, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive communion this morning believing that the blood of Jesus frees me from the curse of the past and that you bled from your brow and I don't have to work any longer by the sweat of my brow but my labor can be blessed and not cursed and I'm claiming a job I believe that you'll provide for me a, a new career said the next week a whole new vista opened for them and they're on a new path a new career and 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 making more money than they were before but before they got fired from their other job amen you don't your labor doesn't have to be cursed some of you dread getting up on Monday morning because you got to go to work some of you struggle all week long at work it, it's a chore it's a it's a labor it's a hardship it's a it, it's drudgery for you because of, there's there's all kind of confusion and and some of you are struggling on your job because there are people that are trying to take advantage of you and some of you may be working for a boss that's ungodly and and got it in for you I want to tell you plead the blood of Jesus over your job before you go to work in the morning amen <laughs> declare declare that I'm a child of God my labor is 
is blessed. Amen. God's put me here for a reason, and, and I'm going to claim that reason. If, and, and if it's to get that boss saved, let's get him saved. But things are going to change around here in the name of Jesus. Yes. Go for it. Amen. Go for it. Then he bled from his face. You know, in Pilate's judgment hall, they walked by, soldiers walked by cursing Jesus. And they grabbed, they grabbed his beard and jerked it from his face until they left nothing but a bloody stubble of a chin. He was bleeding from his face. And then they, they pummeled him. They, they blindfolded him and they started, some of them slapped him, some of them hit him with their fists. Historians tell us that Jesus was beaten so badly that his face began to swell and that his face and his head was at least twice the normal size of a man. We know that there's truth to that because the old prophet says that his visage was marred more than any man. In other words, if you had walked by the cross that Jesus was hanging on and you had not known that that was Jesus, you wouldn't have recognized him. His visage was marred more than any man. They, they beat him. They, they pounded him with their fists. They said, prophesy, who hit you? And then... <clears throat> To me, when I read it, 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 it's hard for me to read this part of the gospel without weeping. I know it's not the most painful thing that Jesus suffered physically, but to me, it's the most despicable thing. After they got through hitting him and pounding him and taking a reed and beating those, that, that crown of thorns down into his skull, and they, big old grown men, soldiers, started spitting in his face. They covered his face with spittle, one right after the other. Just line up, soldiers, come by and just spit in his face until he's covered with spittle. Till spittle is running down to his eyes and into his face and mingling with the blood from his chin. While it wasn't the most painful thing that he suffered, it was the most shameful thing that he suffered. The shame, the humiliation. Do you know why he took that? So that you could be set free from your shame and your humiliation. Amen? I, I, I don't know what the devil's trying to keep you ashamed of from your past, but you need to remind him that the blood of Jesus has washed that away. You need to challenge him to go before the throne of God and find that on your record. It's not there. Amen. If you're a child of God this morning, you don't need to walk in shame and guilt. You need to square your shoulders and stand up straight and tall and hold your head back and declare, I've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm an heir and a joint heir with him. I'm a child of the Most High. I love what they sang a while ago. I'm a, I'm a child of God. Amen. Jesus is your elder brother. Glory to God. Turn to somebody and say, you ought to be proud of who you are in Christ. Thank you. And then number five, he bled from his back. You know, if you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, 
that horrendous beating that he took. 39 stripes on his back, but it was for our healing. Isaiah said many centuries before, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, by his stripes, we're healed. Boy, if we had time this morning, Pastor Reagan could grab that mic and go up and down these aisles and you'd hear testimony after testimony after testimony about the healing power of God. How many of you in here have been healed? Look at that. Look at that. Wow. Yeah, we'd be here a while. We'd be here all afternoon, late into the night, if we took time for everybody's testimony. Healed by the power of God. Did you know that healing is still real this morning? Amen. I'm expecting somebody to be healed at the communion table this morning. I'm just believing God for that. Amen. I'm believing that God's going to heal you, that God's going to set you. I don't know what you need, but He knows what you need. Let me move on quickly from His, from his side, number six. This was for our transgressions. Remember I read a while ago or quoted from Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgression. That word transgression there is a Hebrew word that's translated from rebellion. Every time you've rebelled against God, every time that you have overstepped his authority in your life, you've, you've, you've gone outside it. That's what it literally means. You've, you've overstepped the, the, uh, the authority of God. He, there's forgiveness for that. And then number seven, he was bruised for our iniquity. Bruising is literally bleeding under the skin. It's when the capillaries are broken and um, blood comes out. And that's why the skin turns um, red and eventually turns purple. It's, it's bruising. Well, he was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, as I said, we're healed. But, but this Hebrew word here translated uh, is perversity. Every immoral, ungodly thing that you've ever done or thought about, Jesus bled. He was bruised for that iniquity to wash that away. Boy, I want to tell you, there's nothing like the feeling of knowing that your sins are gone and that you're clean before God and that you can accept the fact that we don't come to God on the merits of our goodness, but we come to God on the merits of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you're suffering from. I don't know, I don't know how how much your ego's been stepped on or how much your self-esteem has been beat down into the ditch. But I want to tell you something this morning. Through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, we're children of the Most High God. Amen. We're brothers and sisters with one another. Amen. And the ground is level at Calvary. The ground is level at Calvary. There's no big eyes and little U's. There's no one race that's better than the other race. It doesn't matter your educational standard. It doesn't matter your financial standard. Praise God. We're all wealthy in the Lord today. <laughs> Glory to God. Will you stand with me, please? Let's get ready to come to the table of the Lord.